there's, there's something about uh, the kingdom and, and when I read scripture and there was like a, a changing point for me when uh, you, you begin to realize that like when you're younger, you think that you're saying prayers and then um, God's in charge of like answering your prayers. But like the more you read scripture and the more you grow up with the Holy Spirit, the more you realize that you're actually responsible for your prayers and that there's an asking and a seeking and a knocking aspect to it. Humility is rewarded. And you begin to see there's a lot of if-thens in Scripture. And as the Holy Spirit begins to lead you and guide you, you begin to realize that there's not really a lid level, that he's invited you into as much of him as you want. And he's not holding you back. He's a very good father. And he's saying, the works I did, I hope you do more. Right? And so that's kind of like the lids-off type Christianity. And so every time I read Scripture, I'm very challenged now, let me talk about an, an infant theology for a second. And, and I used to be under this for a long time where you just believe that everything is happening is God's will and that you play zero role in this thing. And that's just not true. When, when God was healing people in the New Testament, he was using people to do it. And the more you read scripture, the more you realize that you are a major player in this thing. And that's how he wanted it. And he left so that he could send the Holy Spirit. And where does the Holy Spirit, it lives in you, to lead you and guide you into truth, like Tannen said, so that you could be the hands and the feet and the body of Christ. And that is just so real. And we're, we're not playing victims. We're not waiting to see what happens. We're pursuing God. And to the best of our ability, we're trying to perceive what it is he wants to do and be obedient to it. Right? So that on the... Uh, how many of you guys just, with the kids moving up, I just feel a little bit older. <laughs> Does anybody feel a little bit older? Yeah. Well, hey. But I am, this is what I'm hoping one day, right? That I could do your funeral and I could say these three things about you, that you were driven, that you were humble, and that you loved Jesus. And that it was so evident and that everybody would stand up and just share stories about those three aspects of your life. That's my desire for you. And uh, man, that's a place where we're all headed. And so we have a short amount of time to perceive what heaven is doing and participate it while we can in this time that he's given us. So I want to give you guys a tool this morning. I'm doing a series called At the Speed of Humility. Humility plays a big role because God rewards, gives grace to, favor to the humble. And when I say grace, I don't mean a saving grace. I'm not talking about that kind of grace. I'm talking about the favor of God. How many of you guys know that Jesus grew up and grew into the favor with God and man. Amen. Well, how do you get favor with God? Well, that's real simple. You humble yourself because God gives favor to the humble, but he opposes the proud. How many of you have ever been proud? Doesn't it, doesn't it feel like you're stuck in the mud and you really can't go anywhere and there's, you're, you have these heart's desires and you know that there's this better place to be, but you just can't get there because you haven't humbled yourself yet. And he doesn't give grace to the proud. But... By his grace, he opposes you to keep you safe. So this morning, I want to talk about a tool. That tool is fasting. Uh, fasting is one of those things where... Is anybody in here a fasting expert? Uh, Amen. No, Frank's saying no. Expert. Oh, man, Frank. Let, let your joy spread. There's, there's a, oftentimes there's a lot of reasons why people fast. I just want to read to you just some of the examples that are in scripture. Jeremiah, 
said this, God declares a fast for spiritual ears to hear. So the, like what, what people don't want to admit oftentimes is, is this, this is often normal Christianity. Like we're blind, right? And we're, and we're deaf to what God is actually doing. In fact, if you don't believe me, you can go ahead and read Revelations 2 and 3. He had a lot to say to those churches. Those were first century churches. Those were people who had witnessed Jesus, right? And he's saying like, you're, you're spiritually blind, spiritually deaf. Paul says it on the way out in, in the book of Acts. Like there's a lot of spiritual blindness and a lot of spiritual deafness. And our, the problem that we have is that people often don't face the brutal facts. They just don't say like, you know what? Maybe I am spiritually blind and, and, and deaf. Maybe I am. And because we don't start there, we often start from the place of, now I see and I hear. Well, the Pharisees said that. And Jesus told them, well, your sin remains then. If you claim to see, then your sin remains. Because you're claiming that, that, that you see. And when you claim that you see, then the Holy Spirit can't guide because you've already arrived. And so it's challenging in Christianity because you're called to have this firm foundation of truth and at the same time be adding on to that foundation of truth and changing some of that foundation if need be, if the Holy Spirit shows you something. I'm not talking about changing how, what you believe about scripture and what scripture says. I'm not talking about Jesus is Lord. I'm not talking about that. But when it comes to fasting, how many of you actually have a theology that could be probably molded and flexed a little bit better around fasting? The Ninevites, Jonah declares their destruction. The Ninevites fast to apologize and repent. Joel said this, God declares a fast for the people to return so the priests can perceive. The, the priests were blind. The religious leaders were blind. David fasted for the life of his child. Esther declares a fast for direction and courage. Ezra proclaimed a fast for, for, for a posture of humility to grant safe travels. Moses fasted for receiving God's commandments and Daniel fasted for an interpretation of a vision. Here's two things God says about fasting. So that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm not saying this is the only reward, but this seems to be the reward that I read about the most. When you fast, you're able to see and hear what God is doing. And I think sometimes we're saying prayers and we're hoping God does something. Meanwhile, he wants to show us what it is that he wants us to do to see the prayer come to pass. You know, it was amazing. Jesus lived a fasted lifestyle and, and he saw and heard what his father was doing. Do you guys remember when we're about to stone that woman caught in adultery? Do you know what he says to him? Let ye who is without sin cast the first stone. Isn't that a smooth line? That wasn't just sitting in his back pocket. He's like, I can, maybe I'll get to use this today. He was in a moment, and you can imagine it's a very tense moment, because here you have religious leaders who should have high expectations put upon them, and here you have a woman who's been caught in adultery, and, and they want to stone her for what it is that she did, and he pulls out that line, but how did he pull out that line? He perceived what the father was saying and said it. So let me just read this to you. It's, it's one long story, and it's uh, about King Jehoshaphat. And I think the elements of this story, I believe God is saying something in it. And I believe he's saying something to us as a church. And I'm not declaring a fast today, but what I'm hoping and praying for is that God would show us what to fast for, and that we would be obedient as a church, that we might see heaven 
do something in your county through us. Wouldn't that be cool? So this is King Jehoshaphat. There's about four or five good kings in the Bible out of like 40. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. The reason why he's afraid is that there's three armies that are coming in. So we're like maybe four or now we're probably like seven generations off David, right? And all hell is about to break loose. And there's an army that's going to come against Israel and absolutely crush them. And that's what I want to say to everybody in this room. Like if you're in a hard situation and you're going to be crushed by it, you might as well stand firm on what the Lord is saying. Even if it doesn't move, at least you could say, I stood firm. I'll get to that in a second. So they're dead no matter what, right? Unless the Lord does something. (laughs) Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a period of fasting throughout Judah. Now that means you mean business. If you're fasting, that means you're, you're dead serious about what you're doing. This isn't a, a casual like, hey, God, if you're willing to help me, would you please help me? This is a fast and not just him fasting. The entire nation is fasting. I'll tell you where he got that idea from in just a second. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord and even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. So there was a period of fasting. At the end of that period of fasting, we don't know how long it is. He called everybody into the city. Okay, now everybody's in the city. Now his great, 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 great grandfather, David, there might be more or less greats in there, was a conquering king and he was the man. And here you are as an ancestor of him and you're about to be conquered. That's an embarrassing place to be. That's a very vulnerable place to be if I'm being honest. So he calls forth a fast. He has everybody fast. And then he gathers everybody to um, stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. So now everybody's in front of the temple. And now he gets bold. Because how many of you guys know that just because you fast doesn't mean that you get to be a coward? You, fasting will cause courage to come. Listen to this. Lord God, now he's speaking out to God in front of all the people. Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. That's a really good lesson in maybe starting out your prayers. Maybe you want to declare who he is before you start asking him for stuff. Did you not... Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of the lands from your people Israel and give it to the descendants of your friend Abraham forever? That's probably a good second lesson is you might want to declare what he's done in your life thus far. Declare who he is, declare what he's done thus far. Has God done anything for you? You might want to declare it before you start asking. They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword or judgment and plague or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house and cry out to you in our distress and you will hear and save us. See, God has a special interest in me. Do you guys know why? Because his name is on this house. And that's the same true for you. His name is on your house. So before you think that you're on your own, you might want to understand that God wants to make his name known through you while you're here. Amen. 
and cry out to you in our distress and you will hear and save us. So now he's quoting scripture. He's quoting the promises of God. And that's something you might want to do too. If you're asking for something, you might want to point out to him where it says that in scripture, right? And now he's presenting the problem before him. And, and here's something that's really cool. He understands through fasting that this actually isn't his problem. This is his problem. So now he's declaring to God what his problem is. Now behold, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zir, whom you did not allow Israel to invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, for they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given to us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now let me just say that he's being really honest, and that's really cool. He's saying, number one, we don't have the power to do anything about it. And number two, our eyes are focused on you. And I think sometimes if we're being honest, have you guys ever stepped into something thinking you had the faith to find out you didn't? Has that ever happened? I've done that. And I love the fact that he humbled himself here. Somebody in the New Testament was in this situation. It was the demonized boy's father. Just went up to Jesus and said, I, I believe, help me with my own belief. If I'm being honest... If I had the faith, the thing would have moved by now. So my eyes are now upon you. Now, I don't know how long this awkward silence was there. And you guys need to understand something, that th this is a fasted group of people who most likely have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes to see. The king has just stood up and has presented the problem to the Lord. And now they're silent and they're waiting for God to do something. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jehiel, the son of Mattaniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph. Asaph was some of the, he wrote some of the Psalms. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, six generations. And he said, listen, all of you, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, I'm just being honest. If I'm sitting there and I'm hearing some guy say this, I'm like, okay. Is this, are you really, is this really the Lord? Is the Lord really saying this or are you just feeling the awkward space because something has to happen because we're all gathered here and somebody has to say something after that kind of speech, right? But listen to what he says. Tomorrow go down against them. Well, I would throw up in my mouth. <laughs> right? Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeril. You need not fight in this battle. Take your position. Now you're talking crazy. <laughs> so you want me to go down and stand in front of an army in a wilderness and not be prepared for battle, but just stand there. Take your position and stand and watch the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Judah and Jerusalem. We, we, are, we are generations away from this stuff. This stuff didn't happen last Tuesday. They've heard of this stuff happening. They heard about Joshua. They heard about the conquest. But they've been mincemeat ever since then. 
and now all of a sudden some prophet stands up and says something? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now here's what's crazy. They knew that what he had said was actually the Lord. Why? Because they had spiritual ears and eyes to see. This is a fasted group of people who just heard the Lord speak. And they're pumped. Now, I hate to be that guy that was there that didn't fast, but just said I did. And was like, you know, just kind of going along with it. And being like, yeah, that was really good. But these people are devoted. And you're about to see how devoted they are to this word. The Levites from the, the, the sons of the Kohites and from the sons of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. They rose, now this is insane. They rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, your God, and you will endure. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. What he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire. So he's like, hey guys, we're not just going to go out and stand in the woods. We're going to go out there and sing and make music. And we're going to put the guys with the bright robes in front of us. Now, if I wasn't fasting, I'd be like, and I'll stand in the back. <laughs> go for it. I was in tears the first time I read this. Because when you start to think about this, they were all on board with this. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of the Armin, Moab, and Mount Zir, who had come against Judah so that they were struck down. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Zir, completely destroying them. And when they had finished the inhabitants of Zir, they helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they turned toward the multitude and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground and there was no survivor. Isn't that wild? I guess what that guy was saying was right. Did they, did they have a part? Did they still have to have courage? They had to have more courage than if they didn't pray. At least if they didn't pray, they would have went out there with weapons. They went out there with no weapons and stood and started singing in front of their enemies. And an ambush from the Lord came upon them and nobody was left. Now listen to this. Because God's got to finish his promise. And that's to bless them, right? Not just to save them, but to bless them. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoils, they found much among them, including goods and garments, and valuable things which they took for themselves, more than they could carry. Listen to this. And they were taking the spoils for three days. Why? Because there was three times as many people there than, there, there, than they had. And so for some reason... The enemies were like, let's go get the Israelites and let's bring all of our gold and goods with us. <laughs> that crazy? Why? Just feels right. Let's go get all your stuff. <laughs> Took them three days to collect it. I don't know what everybody's uh, dealing with in the room, 
right? And I know more than anybody in here that you can tolerate certain things in your life that are not meant to be there, that is actually the enemy and what he's up to. And I understand the enemy has a will for you just like the Lord does. And he's trying to make sure that his will happens in your life. And I want you guys to know if you're praying for something and you're not seeing it move, that, that fasting is a tool that God has given you. But for you to fast, you have to admit that maybe you can't see and maybe you can't hear. And maybe you need God's help. You humble yourself and you start to fast. And I don't know the people, well, how long do you fast for? I don't know. Maybe ask God, maybe he'll tell you, right? But you begin to fast and pray and all of a sudden faith rises up and you're able to see and perceive what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. And then all of a sudden courage rises and you step forth and you see the will of God happen in your life. Does anybody in here have something they want to see move? Yeah? Amen. And I, I'm, I'm praying for a, a conviction that God would show me what he wants to see happen in your county and that we could be a people that could bring that to pass for him. I would love for, for praise to be famous in heaven. Like if God's like, man, we got this problem. Like, well, we got praise sitting there. And they, they, they want to do my will on the earth while they're here. And they're driven and they're humble and they love Jesus. Is anybody in here, uh, I just want to go back to Frank's word. Is anybody in here struggling with forgiving themselves? If you do, um, I just like, I, I feel like I have a word for you. If that's you, would you just stand up quick? And I don't know if this is, this is for everybody, but I'm going to say it anyway, and, and you can take it. I want you to know that like, after Frank said that word, I saw like, people standing up when I asked who's having trouble forgiving giving themselves. And I, I wanted you to know, and it's real simple. Um, somebody else isn't in charge of your forgiveness. Okay? Somebody can be... Oftentimes we have unforgiveness because somebody's holding on to unforgiveness towards us. So we still feel like we're in prison because they haven't forgiven us yet. And I want you to know that your forgiveness is none of their business. It's with Jesus. And if Jesus says you're forgiven, which he has, and you've humbly gone to him and you've tried your best to go this way, it's done. And so you can put it away. You don't have to ask anymore. You just keep on loving people and blessing that person. If somebody's not forgiving you, when you're alone with Jesus, you bless them, right? And I want everybody to know, if you've confessed your sin, the Bible says that you're forgiven. Amen? Amen. Amen. So with, with, would everybody else stand with them? And I could stay with that for a long time, but with that, you have to decide what you need. And if what you need is in the power of another person, you're always going to be in prison. So you might as well decide now what you need is his forgiveness, which he's freely given. That's what you need most. I need God to forgive me. That's what I need. I don't need somebody else to. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to try to make retribution the best that I can, offer what I can. But man, thank God what I need is God's forgiveness, which he's already given me. Amen.
So Father, we just thank you for every single person in this room. If, 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 uh, if, this, if this sermon was from you and this is the direction that you have for us, Lord, we, we, we want to hear and we want to see and we want to be just loyal to you and love you and, and see your will come to pass. We pray right now in Jesus' name that, that you would begin to speak to individuals about fasting and that they would have their own conviction around what it is that you can do through it. And Father, we'll be the first to admit that we can't see fully and we can't see, hear, can't see or can't hear as clearly as we'd like. And Lord, um, so give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen.